morning. It is a little bit before 9.30 on the 6th. I believe it's the 6th. It's Friday in April. Yeah, today is the 6th because tomorrow is the 7th. And the 7th is Saturday, which also happens to be the UFC fight. I heard about Conor McGregor going ballistic along with the whole posse of his friends and pals or cronies, his entourage, whatever you want to call it, at a, a media event, which I don't know what to make of that. It's hard to respect somebody that does something like that, though, I'll tell you that much. I, I like the guy. Typically, I have in the past. But when you hear news like this, you go, okay, well, what do, what do I make of that? be like if you you know you had a like me for example here I am I'm this guy I've made mistakes in my life sure but I've never assaulted anyone <clears throat> I guess I guess technically I have I could tell that story maybe I will so and I'll I'll come back to this whole common agreement thing I was drunk on three different types of alcohol beer wine and hard liquor I heard this guy <clears throat> telling stories. He'd come over, he was a neighbor, and I don't know how much of this is made up in my head, but what I recall is people talking about various things. Specifically what I recall, or what I think I recall, is people talking about travel and saying, oh yeah, I've been to France, or that was really neat. And this guy, what got me riled up the way I perceived it at the time, I don't know how accurate this is, but what I, what got me worked up was this guy one-upping everyone. If somebody said they'd been to France, he'd been to France and then had some sort of interesting story. <clears throat> and he wasn't letting other people, again, from my possibly twisted sense of reality, wasn't letting anybody else tell their story. You know, oh, you went to France? Well, I went to France back in the 80s when it was when it was really hard to get in there and blah, 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 blah. I don't even remember. Not, not that that's true at all. I have no idea. But he was just one of those one-uppers. Oh, you, you got hurt on a trip? Well, I got really hurt and malaria and broke both my legs and, and had to be rescued by Navy SEALs. Oh, okay. Oh, hi, jeez. Comedian Brian Regan has a story about this where... The ultimate thing is, well, I landed on the moon. Nobody can top that. Oh, you were on the moon? Wow. <clears throat> and I was in this little outdoor garage. It's kind of opened to the outdoors is what I mean. It didn't have a closure. It was sort of like a half shed, half garage. It wasn't used at all. It was on the property where my roommates and I were renting it. And I was in the garage getting all riled up by myself, I'm like, I can't, this guy is, I don't, I don't know what it was, I was like, I can't let this keep on happening, I gotta get, gotta get him out of here, so I went over to the chair that he was at, grabbed both the hand rests, the armrests of the chair, got, I mean, inches with, from his face, and said, leave, and I'm just screaming at the top of my lungs, leave, leave, go away, just, just, I mean, I didn't even come out there and say, hey man, uh, I, I didn't even try. It just was 
full bore. I remember riling myself up going, you've got to go out there and you've got to make an impression. You can't half-ass this. So I go out there, just start screaming in his face. And he's just kind of eyes wide, just he didn't know what to do. And here I am telling him to leave, but I'm, I'm standing over him. I'm not even all that imposing of a guy, but somebody does something like that to you, and you're probably going, whoa, I don't don't know how to react to this. I mean, I have no idea what I would think of that kind of a situation. And one of my roommates, this gal, she comes up and goes, Del, she puts like a hand on my shoulder or something, and goes, what are you doing? Leave him alone. Stop that. And I shove her to the ground, probably kind of all the adrenaline flowing through me, and uh, the guy goes, okay, I'm, I'm going to leave. So he, he leaves, which was probably the, the best thing to do at that point, considering my actions. Who knows what I'm going to do? I didn't know what I was going to do. <clears throat> um, I went into my room after that and then grabbed a couple knives and was standing by my door. I got all paranoid thinking that my roommates were going to come in. I mean, that was probably one of the wackiest things I've ever done and uh, yeah I, I like went out my window and went running down an alleyway into a, a nearby park and just chilled out there for a little bit I don't remember all exactly what happened I passed out and all in all nothing terrible happened from that my roommate the one that I'd thrown to the ground didn't talk to me for a while understandably she moved out she said she was going to press charges. She never did. I'm glad for that. I think she just kind of wanted to be done with it and not have anything to, anything to do with me. Anyways, the reason I'm mentioning this all is because here I am, typically not that kind of a person, 99.9999% of the time. I have not been that way. And, uh, and then I act in that manner let's say I actually had attacked somebody, let's say that I had hurt this guy or done some serious damage to my roommate. Admittedly, she might have been a little scraped up or something from me shoving her to the ground like that. I don't know. But she certainly, as far as I know, didn't get seriously hurt. Wasn't like I broke her arm or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not uh, excusing what I did. I'm just saying, Things could have gone a lot worse. And I'm glad they did not. Um, and so here, Conor McGregor, I don't really know why. I don't know if anybody does at this point. Knows why he went flipping out on some people and throwing some stuff at a bus. And some people, uh, one of the fighters, Michael Chiesa, got his head scraped and cut up. Another fighter got banged up and I think everybody there was sort of shaken and going what what in the hell is this going on with this guy that's a great question who knows there's a lot of things with that and I think part of the issue is that Conor McGregor has been kind of riding this this train of his own hype for a while he uh he's been kind of king of the world in, in the M- MMA land. Nobody makes anywhere near as much money as he has. He did something that nobody else has ever done in jumping over and making a, a, a fight with Floyd Mayweather. So, 
I don't know, maybe he's starting to believe his own hype. The problem with believing your own hype is that well, the hype might not be real. And even if it is, even if it's even if it's pointing to something real, it's dangerous to go down that that path. I mean, look what happened to Ronda Rousey. She uh she entered into the, the fight game when there wasn't a whole lot of competition at her level. She dominated for a while. And then people seeing exactly what it took started going, oh, okay, that's how you win. I see, you gotta be at that level. Okay, well, we'll be at that level. And then suddenly people matched her and then beat her. It's, it's really hard to stay at the top because all people have to do is mimic you, but then improve on it just a little bit, just enough to beat you. You see this in pretty much every competition ever. That's why the people and the teams and the groups and the, the artists that continually do well are such anomalies. Because getting, getting a hit once, whether it be a hit song and you have a one-hit wonder, or you win the Super Bowl once, or you win the Wimbledon once, or you're uh, somebody that wins the, the PGA Tour, whatever the case may be, or you win a particular one fight in MMA or a single boxing match, hey, good job. You know, that's great. I mean, really well done. No, one, no one's going to take that away from you. That, that's fantastic. But to do it again and again and again and again and again, that's when people start to go, whoa, what the heck? This thing, this 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 team, the, the these New England Patriots, Brady and, and Belichick, this is something special. Um, Navi in Dota 2, back when they were just on a tear, no one could beat them. Now, eh, not so much. Now they're not the kings of the world anymore. That seems like the the meta in, in Dota 2 is, is continually changing. People that play card games or, or poker, you'll have some of these, these individuals that just do well repeatedly, but it's really hard to maintain that. And it's because, well, there's a lot of reasons that go into it, but I think one of the reasons is that when you win, the hunger to be at number one diminishes. There are all kinds of stories where somebody wins, they get to the top of the world, and, and I mean that in like the top of their sport. I don't mean they're, they're the top of the world as in they're, they're king of everything. I just mean Conor McGregor, he's holding two belts, or he was. Uh, the, the, the New England Patriots won the previous year, not, not 2018 Super Bowl, but the, the last one. And they had won, I think the one before that, they've won, Brady and Belichick have won five together. Once you get to that point, it's hard to have the same... Well, it's impossible. It's actually impossible to have the same exact kind of drive before you got there. If you're at the bottom, at the very bottom of the barrel, let's say you're the um, Cleveland Browns or the Cincinnati Bengals, you're kind of bottom of the barrel in terms of the NFL or your, let's say, um, Gary Tonin, who has only one fight in MMA. He's, he's a great grappler when it comes to jiu-jitsu and, and um, submission wrestling, but he doesn't 
have any more than one single fight in the MMA world. So it's all uphill for him, which is good because you've got that struggle. It's kind of like um, Sisyphus with, with his boulder. He's, he's at the bottom of the hill and he's got to push it up. Well, a lot of people, once they get to the top of that hill, they go, well, now what do I do? And there are stories where people self-sabotage so that they can get back down to the bottom. Now, I don't think that's a conscious thought. I think it just happens where people get hooked up with drugs or they, they get mixed up with the wrong crowd. There's, um, I wish I knew the name of it, but th- you, maybe you've heard the term Occam's razor. There's another one. It's, it's a- another type of razor, which I imagine was inspired by Occam's razor. Occam's razor is the methodology. I don't know if, which, what you want to call it, but it's the idea, the, the hypothesis, the theory, that the easiest answer is usually the best or the easiest solution is usually the best. There's another kind of razor, and it says, I I think I'm getting this right, but it says that if you're confused about somebody's motives, what you ought to do is look at the results. Don't look at what they say, don't look at what what they're doing, but look at the results. And this is something I have pointed to in my own actions and something I've pointed to with my wife in that we'll get into these situations, my wife and I, where, how do I, how do I put this? It's not that I'm, I'm trying to be politically correct here. I'm not trying to spare anyone's feelings. I, I want to speak precisely and clearly without a whole bunch of mumbo jumbo. I want this to make sense. Um, situations will arise and how they happen exactly is uh, there's a myriad of of issues that go into it and I don't mean necessarily problems there's just a myriad of of variables that go into these very these these particular instances let me let me stop speaking so vaguely and give you a, a particular my wife and I will play the game Magic the Gathering on a, on a pretty regular basis. We play probably on average three-ish games a day. It might actually be double that. It's hard to say. Um, we have two decent decks. One deck is pretty solid. Um, one of the other one is okay. I have played Magic the Gathering and other assorted card games like it on and off for quite a few years. Um, I've been playing games and board games and video games and uh, outdoor games, you know, play playground games for as long as I can remember. <clears throat> so interacting with the world around me and trying to make sense of it in a way that moves me closer to a goal is something that I am quite familiar with. I wouldn't say I'm good at it. I would say I'm familiar with it. I am, like on a scale of 1 to 10, when it comes to Magic the Gathering, 
one being you just learned the game, you just just today learned it, and 10 being, oh, you've won the, the world championships a couple times or even just once. I'd say I'm about a, a, a four, maybe, three or four, somewhere in that range, maybe as much as a five. In other words, I have a pretty good understanding of the game. Um, there's still a lot of nuances to the rules that I'm not completely clear on but I understand the, the basics of the game very well and I play decently I think I don't make a whole lot of really egregious errors now my wife on the other hand she has played on and off for maybe the last five years ish eh, probably longer than that I think she knew knew of the game and had played a little bit before we had been together but how 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 much I don't know she makes a lot of mistakes, and I'll pro I probably make a lot of mistakes as well, but I, I, I can say with a pretty high level of confidence that I don't make as major of mistakes as my wife does. For example, now, that's, now I, I do make mistakes, admittedly. There, there are some, some times where I'll attack with a card or attack her with a creature where it just makes absolutely no sense to do that. But she will often make these kinds of mistakes. It seems like there are more games than not where she makes these mistakes. Now, my problem is to point out the errors as opposed to congratulate the lack of an error made. I'm not a big fan of this. Now, the reason I'm mentioning this is because I have wondered aloud with her if she makes the mistakes to be scolded. Now you might go, well, what in the heck? Why in the hell would somebody want to be scolded? Why would somebody want to be made to feel bad? Well, <laughs> that's a great question and it depends on the person. I would imagine that the number of people that have grown up in a household where the example of love is one that matches what you actually want isn't that high. In other words, the people that grow up in homes where the parents are fighting and get in arguments on a somewhat regular basis to very regular basis is probably pretty high. My own upbringing involved my parents being in arguments on a near daily basis. There were probably, I don't, I don't know if they, I even need to say probably, it, it, there were more days where my parents didn't get along than they did. And it would be anything from just a quick kind of, well, I don't know why you told me that. You, you, you're so blah, 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 and something that lasts a minute or something, or 30 seconds, just a quick blah, blah, blah. Other times it would turn into a, just a long, drawn out, just back and forth, back and forth. And the thing that strikes me about that is so interesting is neither of my parents had the wherewithal to go, this doesn't seem all that great. This doesn't seem to be a very beneficial way of going about things. I think that having children, if nothing else, should be a visual reminder right in front of your damn face to not act that way. You start getting upset, but then you look over at your son and you go, oh, 
yeah, I don't want him to learn that this is how you interact with the world. So I'm going to take a deep breath and go, ah, geez, I'm sorry about that, honey. I got really frustrated there because I asked you where you put the keys and you told me you didn't know, but then I saw you pull them out of your pocket and I'm wondering how in the heck can you not know where they are if they're in your pocket? And your wife goes, well, I forgot. It's kind of like having the glasses on your face and going, where are my glasses? And then you realize, oh, they're already on my face. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I totally get it. You know, I'm sorry about that. I just got frustrated and I, I apologize. And then you go over, you give your wife a hug and then your son sees that or your daughter sees that or your dog sees that. I don't know. Whatever. Forget the dog, but your son or daughter sees that or both of them or, or multiple of them. And they go, Oh, I see how to do that. And they don't even have to consciously think that they don't consciously think that not, not for a while. Maybe, maybe once they're gee whiz, I don't know. Uh, six, maybe, maybe at six, maybe at 10, probably not until they're 12 or so. It depends on the child, certainly, but most kids aren't having a conscious thought like, Oh, I see how dad did that. That was very astute of him to act in that way towards my mother. And that was so loving of my mother to come back and respond in kind and, and not get worked up. That was very good. Yes. Yes. I will note that and, and file that away in the good way to act with a, with, with somebody that you care about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. I'm, I'm glad that they handled that because that's the way that I want to be. No, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. You learn through action. It's like, it's like animals <clears throat> in a sense. It's well, not in a sense, in a, in a, in a very large way. Animals don't, they, they don't, they, a mama bear isn't telling her cubs, okay, here, come on, kids. This is how we hunt for food. They just do it. And then the bears copy it and they go, oh, I guess this is how we hunt for food. These aren't conscious thoughts that they're having, that they're having. Now, why did I even get on this? I don't know. I have no idea. Where was I trying to go with this? I'm not sure. Why am I talking about the way that we interact? Oh, I suppose I was talking about why why it is that my wife will do things and you have to look at somebody's actions. Ah, that's right. I guess part of the reason I was mentioning all this is because with Conor McGregor, not that I really want to have a podcast about Conor McGregor. I don't really care. I mean, I like the UFC and I like watching MMA fights and whatever, but that's really not what I want to go to with this. But I suppose in a sense... You have to look at what Conor McGregor did, but then you have to look at what happened and you have to look at the results of that and go, maybe that's what he wants. And maybe he didn't know that's what he wants, but maybe that's what he wants. You don't learn about somebody by hearing them talk about their self. I mean, you can, sure, but you, it, you're going to get a misrepresentation. Because I don't think anybody, even the most honest person in the world, is as honest as they really ought to be. Or, or let, me, let me say that a different way. That's not how I wanted to word that. That's, that's, that's not how I wanted to word that. I don't think anybody can be in speech as honest as their actions are. So, for example, 
myself with these talk walks, and I, I, I hate tooting my own horn. Ah, that's not true. I guess I kind of do like tooting my own horn. Who doesn't? If I said I like thinking about ideas and I like talking things out, but then never did it, you'd go, eh, that doesn't really seem to be true. You can say that all you want, but you don't do that. But here I am out here talking and doing this and you go, oh, okay. You say you like talking about ideas and thinking things out and there you are doing it. Okay, that seems to match reality. Your, your words seem to match what you actually say you wanna do. If someone says, oh, I really like learning about new things and I really like reading books. And you ask them, when's the last time you read a book? And they go, oh, you know, uh, wow. It's, you know, I, 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 I used to read a lot. Um, it was probably back in middle school. Oh, and, and you're, didn't you just have your 42nd birthday? Yeah, yeah. So, you like reading, huh? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I did like to read. I, I, I do like reading, but you don't read. N no, nuh-uh. Or me, you could say, how much do you like skiing? And I, and I would answer, I would say, well, I, I, I have enjoyed skiing when I've gone, but the last time I went skiing was back in, uh, 2000 or something, 2001 maybe, 1999. It's been a long time, so I can't really say I enjoy skiing. I have enjoyed it when I had gone, but it's not something that I'm actively participating in. Or somebody says, oh, I like eating healthy food, but all you ever see them do is eating donuts and, and Cheetos and, and fast food. You go, well, that maybe maybe your idea of healthy food and my idea of healthy food are very different. Or, or you're a liar. Or you're just confused. There, there's a lot of other possibilities here. But what doesn't seem to be accurate is that you like eating healthy food because you're not eating healthy food. I tried telling a story twice, and both times that I tried to tell the story didn't end up so good. Why? Why did that happen? Well, in both instances, I think I was trying too hard, and I was thinking about it too much. The first time, much, much more so than the second time. Now, I want to just try this again, and I'm just going to go straight into it. So there's this... I, and I know this is a weird segue, so maybe I won't go straight into it. I, I, I want to get better at telling verbal stories, and I think it's a skill, like so many things. And I think, just like so many skills, for me to get better at it, I actually have to practice it. I don't see how it could be any other way. Writing a story with text is a lot easier, because you can write it out... And then you can look at it and you can go, oh, okay, well, that doesn't really match. This part at the end, I said something about him having a red hat. And at the beginning, I said he had a gray hat. So let me go and tweak that and, and fix it. Okay. Oh, look, I made this mistake here. I said it was two o'clock, but then I, I somehow said it was at noon. And that, well, that doesn't make sense because, okay, okay, we got to tweak that. And so the time works and okay, he, he took a left on this street and then he took a right. And then somehow he, he ended up in a parking garage. But the way I described the, the city earlier, there wouldn't be a parking garage there. That was other two blocks further. So he would have to have made 
he, he would have to go straight for another block. So, okay, I got to tweak all this and okay, there we go. Now, now I can, now, now it works. That's the thing about ed- the editing process is when you push out the final product, all that behind the scenes editing, that, that you don't see that. You don't see all the errors and all the mishaps and all the things that didn't make sense. You see the finished product that makes a whole lot of sense if, if it was done well. The thing about telling a story is you don't get that opportunity. There is no tweaking of it. It's just, it is what it is, and there you go. And I think, oddly enough, that the more I think about what I'm saying, the worse it gets. So I tried to think less the other day when I told the story about Nero and his dog and this weird six-legged lizard dog thing going down into some cave and exploring around. But today I'm going to try another story. And admittedly, I've already thought a little bit about the story, so maybe I shouldn't even start there. Maybe I, maybe I shouldn't. But I'm going to practice, and so part of practicing is trying different things out, so I'm going to stick with this one. Here's what I saw the other day. I saw a convenience store, a guy, a younger guy working at the convenience store. I saw a homeless man sitting outside of the convenience store. This is in a city, a bustling city. Picture New York or London, some some well, well, that's not what I want to say, some largely populated city, some well-to-do upscale city, Shanghai, Hong Kong, something like that. And I saw somebody that was fairly rich. So the younger guy, I don't know what his name is, it doesn't matter, he works at this store, and there's this homeless guy that sits outside of the store, and he sits there all the time. It's day and night, This the, the, the worker at the store, the convenience store clerk, he's never gone into the store or come out of the store. He's never been at the store at any point in time and not seen the homeless guy there, which has always confused him because he's thought, when does this guy go to the bathroom? When does, when does this guy... When does this guy go and get food? He, he, he has food. I've seen him eat. But he, I've never seen him not sitting there. And when the, the, the convenience store clerk initially got the job, the first week that he would come to work and leave work, the homeless guy would ask him for money. And the convenience store clerk told him, No, man, sorry. I'm, I, nope, I don't got anything for you. And after that week, the, the, the homeless guy stopped asking. And one day, and, and the clerk had thought about this a lot. Like, should I give him money? I don't know. Maybe I should. And he thought, no, if I give him money, then it's just encouraging him there. And I've seen plenty of other people give him money. And, you know, that's there on them. But I don't agree with it. So I'm not going to do it. I don't want to support his, his lifestyle. I, I really don't. I want him to get out of that. And I, I don't know how to do that. But... I don't think giving him my money, which I don't even have all that much of, is a great idea. So I'm not going to give him any money. And one day, the clerk, he, uh, he was ringing up a guy that looked like he was fairly well-to-do. He had a suit on, and um, he had a fresh haircut, and polished shoes, and clean cut. Probably a, a businessman, or, or a banker, or Wall Street analyst or something like that and uh he bought a a pack of cigarettes and pack of beef jerky um a thing of gum 
and uh, he asked for some some cash back when he ran his card. He asked for five dollars back, and the clerk he thought, you know, I bet he's going to give that five bucks to the to the homeless guy. And sure enough, sure enough, the 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 well-to-do guy goes outside and he gives the the money to the homeless guy. And the homeless guy he takes the money and he looks at it and he's like, oh man, yes, finally, finally, been saving up for the last six months sitting here. I've been making an average of a hundred bucks a day, and for six months, I mean that's not that's not bad. That's seven hundred dollars a week. That's fourteen hundred dollars every two weeks. You're looking at twenty eight hundred dollars a month. Um, he only paid for food, and he was able to eat pretty well. And he was going to a food bank, so he was spending about three hundred dollars a month on food. He was saving anywhere between two thousand on on minimum two thousand and uh, twenty five hundred dollars a month. So after six months, six times two is twelve. He had twelve thousand. He had he had somewhere between twelve and and fifteen thousand dollars. Well, his exact total at that time, after he got that five dollars, was fourteen thousand dollars, and that had been his goal, because he'd bought some other things. He had bought some fresh socks. He had purchased a new beanie. He had purchased some a couple few pairs of um, really comfy clean and warm underwear but he wasn't paying anything for rent he didn't even have a cell phone he would just read he would sit out front of that building and read he had a little sign that it would prop up next to him and it said anything helps i'm trying to get out of here saving up everything that i can that doesn't go towards food and he was completely honest sometimes people would stop and ask him and he would tell him exactly what he was doing <clears throat> he wouldn't volunteer the information go hey we want to hear my story no 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 now you might be wondering how did this homeless guy ended up in this situation well he um he had moved to new york and we're going to go ahead and say that it is new york when he was 18 years old he had been living in kansas and uh he could only get one television channel and this television channel really only came in all that well at night he never really figured that out why that was, but he had he, he thought it had to do something with with the the radio traffic and and maybe the the truckers in the area and maybe at night he would just come in and the channel that he could pick up it was from <clears throat> not even sure how this works but the the channel that he was able to pick up with his bunny ears would often have dance pageants on it like these these dance tryout shows kind of like a, an American Idol but it was a, a dance show. And he realized, after watching this, that he really wanted to be a dancer. So he went to New York because I mean, that's that's where you that's where you know the land of 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 the uh, of Broadway is. And he was going to go be a dancer. He knew nothing about it when he went there. He had had no dancing, not none whatsoever. His his school that he had he went to was a, had a graduating class which he just barely squeaked through had a graduating class of two other people besides himself it was all of three people that graduated and they had no dance class at all they had physical education math science some real basic things but they didn't even have a drama class they had a half halfway drama class but it was just learning about some old plays and and the old mr cantankerous 
not his real name. His real name was Mr. Mr. Cantz, but people call him cantankerous because he was really old, crotchety guy that could barely walk. He had a, a one of those walkers with the the tennis balls on the bottom of it, and he'd always squeak down the hallways because the the fuzz had worn out. And uh, one time, the the homeless guy, well, later on homeless, he had actually purchased some new new tennis balls and gave them to Mr. Cantankerous, and Mr. Cantankerous actually wasn't all that thrilled about that. He didn't even seem to care. He just sort of grunted. Mr. Cantankerous class involved reading Shakespeare and, and then taking a test on on the content, but that was about it. That was as close as they, they had to a, a drama class. And uh, when he turned 18, this guy, he went to went to New York City because he was going to train to be a dancer, but he didn't really have any money saved up. He had enough to uh, to get a, a room for a few months, but when he got out there, his roommate turned out to be a crazy drug addict that was selling, and he, our friend here, realized that part of the, the reason that the, the rent was so cheap was because this guy, the uh, the crazy drug addict person, was trying to find somebody that would just support his habit basically it wasn't even a room the uh the paper that our homeless friend had found had gotten wind of and seen the classified because this was before the days of craigslist it said room for rent 150 dollars a month and so our homeless friend here is like okay well i mean if i can save up 500 bucks then i can pay for two months of rent and still have 200 bucks and i then i just got to find a job if I can't find a job in two months, then something's seriously wrong. I mean, I should definitely be able to find a job in New York City in two months doing something, washing dishes or taking out trash or uh, who knows, whatever. I did something. I, surely I can find something. And he did find something, and um, it actually started paying pretty well. He started out as a dishwasher at a place, but then one night one of the, the waitresses broke her ankle. She was coming in from work, and she took the subway. She was coming up the stairs. And uh, it was slippery because it, would have had, it had snowed and then it rained, but it was a warm rain and then it had froze during the night. And she was working the, the evening shift. She was coming into, well, not the evening shift, but she was coming in early in the morning when it was like three in the morning and she was going to do a bunch of prep work. But she, as she was coming up the, the, the subway, she wasn't paying attention. She thought somebody had called her name and she looked back and she stepped and slipped on the step and smashed her 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 shin and twisted her ankle and broke it and was in terrible pain and so our homeless friend took her job and uh and ended up doing really well at it and um ended up homeless after after that but he thought you know what i'm just gonna keep on saving up and he wanted to save up for the entrance fee for for a dance class and in the the banker who indeed was a banker he actually had an anti, what do you, what do you call it? Yeah, his stance of giving money to homeless people was quite contrary to, to what he had done. In other words, how I should have worded this was he, he, he did not think that giving money to homeless people was a good way of going about things. Now, you might be wondering, well, why in the heck did he do it then? Why did he give any money to, the, to this homeless guy? Well, the reason he gave that money to that homeless guy is because earlier that day, he'd been on the phone with 
Mrs. Snowstein. And Mrs. Snowstein was this little old lady who had lost her husband about 20 years back. She'd been living alone in upstate New York in a dumpy little house. The mortgage still had $15,000 on it. And she, uh, she didn't have any income. She had nothing. She, the only way that she was even alive is some of the neighbors took pity on her and they would bring her meals and she would go to the, the church potlucks and she, she would get some kindness from her neighbors and the local community. If it wasn't for that, she probably would have died quite some time ago. In fact, she had slipped and fallen and if it hadn't been for her pastor coming by to check on her because she had always gone to church. There had never been a time that she had missed church because there was oftentimes coffee or cookies to be eaten and some, some kind of food, some sort of snacks. And so she would partake of that. And um, so she, uh, she was on the phone with our banker friend here and uh, he was giving her a hard time. And she was saying, I, I, I know, I understand. I'm, I'm, a year behind on payments and he said you know what we're gonna have to foreclose on you i we have given you chance after chance after chance but there's just no there's no way around it we can't just keep on giving you chances like this you're gonna have to find a new place to live and she started crying she was telling him a story about her husband and how he had bought the home for her and then due to his job working at the, the fiberglass mill he had gotten lung cancer from breathing in the fibers and it was back when they didn't have the regulations that they do now and <clears throat> the lawsuit had failed that she uh, she and a bunch of other women had filed because they had all lost their husbands in the exact same way but the uh, the company had some high-powered lawyers and they were able to squeeze out it they got a tiny settlement it was a thousand dollars that was all the, the wives had gotten was a thousand bucks and this guy this banker, he felt terrible. He felt absolutely terrible. But it was his job to shut this account down. He kind of had to be a cold-hearted bastard. But as he uh, as he left that 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 corner store, he had taken that. He had seen that homeless man sitting out in front. And he thought, you know what? I'm gonna give him five bucks. And he thought, this is this is a drop in the bucket of what I've done today. I've taken Mrs. Snowsteam's home from her, but. Maybe it'll help this guy out. And in fact, it did. The homeless guy, he, um, he got up because he had made, he had 10 bucks in his pocket and he, he went into the convenience store there and he bought himself a sparkling water. And uh, when he went up to the counter, the clerk, he said, hey man, this is the first time I've ever seen you move. I've never seen you move. Well, why not? And so the, the homeless guy told him his story. And... Uh, and the clerk said, well, that's great, you know, best of luck, man. And he said, yeah, thank you. I, uh, I've got to take $10,000. That's to start school. And, um, you know, and the, and, the, and, the, and the clerk asked him, well, how come you didn't get a job? And, uh, and the homeless guy said, you know what? I would have loved to take a job. It's kind of disgusting me to be a homeless person out here sitting like this, living in this way. But honestly... I don't know any other way to live in New York City and make $14,000 in six months and have it all to show. And uh, the clerk said, yeah, you got a good point. You got a good point there. And uh, when he heard that, the clerk, he, he didn't know why the home, or why the banker had given the homeless guy any money. 
but it changed his mind. He thought, you know, I, I thought poorly of that banker, but now that I see how it affected this homeless guy, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have thought so poorly of that guy. And he would never see the banker again, the, the convenience store clerk, and so he wouldn't know why. But it didn't matter because the lesson that he took away from that was, you know, maybe I shouldn't be so quick to judge people. Maybe, maybe, maybe I don't know what's going on because clearly I didn't know what was going on with that homeless guy. So maybe I should, uh, maybe I should just be a little bit more accepting and just try and keep my, keep my thoughts to myself. And so that's what he did. And, uh. He saw a gradual change, but he ended up being a lot nicer to his customers over time. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and end there. That felt a little bit better. I don't know. I have no idea. <clears throat> Next time, I'm going to try and just go into something completely blind, not have any preconceived idea. <clears throat> I just tried to go fast, so I couldn't think too much about it. That was part of my aim with this one. All right. Um, do, 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 do. I love you. Bye.